Welcome to the Dear Beloved podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jean, founder of the Beloved Collective, and together we will dive deep into relationships, femininity, and the stages leading up to marriage from a Catholic perspective. Here you'll find real conversations rooted in the truth, dispelling the lies found in our culture, and learn practical ways that we can keep Christ at the center of our lives and relationships. Dear Beloved, welcome back. I'm excited because today we are going to dive right back where we left off into John Paul II's letter to women. So in this second part and the final part of this study on this letter, um, I'm excited to dive in and glean as much more from this letter as we can. So in this second half of the letter, um, there are three main themes that John Paul II um, talks about, and that's where we'll kind of dive in and sink our teeth into. So first up, the main theme that he brings up is, you know, he's talking about the rights and the dignity of women throughout this letter and how we have to uphold it. But he starts off by saying, you know, what is the basis of this dignity? Where do we find it and how can we build from there? So this basis of the dignity is this first kind of theme that he talks about in this second part. Um, so after going through the long history of humanity, right, and talking about women in their role and taking responsibility for the things that they achieved and, and responsibility for the things that have been done against them, John Paul II says that the secret of making speedy progress in achieving full respect for women and their identity involves more than simply the condemnation of discrimination and injustices. Necessary though this may be, right? So he says it's necessary, but it doesn't end there. And he goes on to say such respect must first and foremost be won through an effective and intelligent campaign for the promotion of women, concentrating on all areas of woman's life and beginning with the universal recognition of the dignity of women. And he mentions that reason and the word of God are what help us understand and grasp the anthropological basis of the dignity of women, making it evident as part of God's plan for humanity. So he's saying, listen, we've heard what happened in the past. And, you know, in order to move forward, we not only have to say, hey, look at what happened here, bad, <laughs> done. Um, but we also have to come to a greater understanding of what this dignity is in order to build upon it. So as John Paul II often does, he goes right back to the beginning and starts with creation and Genesis. So God creates man in his image, right? And this tells us um, what's distinct about the human being, right? Distinct from all over, all other creation. Um, then we're told that man was created male and female, right? And that the first Adam was created, uh, when he was created, um, he was alone, right? Um, so the creation of woman, uh, he says, and I'm quoting here, uh, John Paul II says, the creation of women is thus marked from the outset by the principle of help, a help which is not one-sided but mutual. Woman complements man, just as man complements woman. Men and women are complementary. Womanhood expresses the human as much as manhood does, but in a different and complementary way. He also mentions that this help that man is to each other is not merely an acting help, right? It's not merely um, in, 
you know, doing actions to help another, you know, say, bring this from this room to this room, um, but also in the fact of their being, right, in their human beingness, um, it is a help for each other. Um, so that is just, you know, the background of where he's basing all of this on. And then he goes a step further, a little bit further in Genesis, and he says, the request by God to fill the earth and subdue it, right, that we hear in Genesis 1.28, um, is spoken to both man and woman, right? So he says in this task, which is essentially that of culture, right, of creating and subduing or filling the earth and subduing it, man and woman alike are equal, equal responsibility from the start, Okay, so th they're equal in responsibility in in creating this culture and filling the earth and subduing it. Um, and the theme of the upcoming conference on women is, you know, this this upcoming conference that he's talking about in relation to the time of when he had this letter is uh, on action for equality, development and peace. So, of course, you're going to talk about um, equality and you're going to talk about progress and things like that. And John Paul II says that progress that has happened is largely by the hands of women um, in terms of in these areas. Um, again, going back and taking responsibility for these things in history. Uh, and the second main theme that he talks about in this half of the letter is progress, right? So he says that progress, although usually is measured according to science or technology. Um, he states that the more important measurement should be that of social and ethical dimensions of progress. So it, he says here, in this area which often develops in an inconspicuous way, beginning with the daily relationships between people, especially within the family, society certainly owes much to the genius of women and he goes on to share his appreciation for all women who have dedicated themselves to education in any way because it helps this progress move forward. So again, he's just stating that like we we may be off in our um, perception of what progress really is and what we should be celebrating versus what we can um, be you know, excited about and, and really what will move humanity forward. Um, so that's what he's talking about here. And the third main theme that he talks about in this half of the letter is service. So I don't know if you've ever read anything by John Paul II, but it's pretty much impossible <laughs> for anything um, with any of his writings to not include a synopsis of Mary and her role and how she is the perfect example of whatever he's talking about. So he takes this theme and he talks about Mary here in terms of service. And he says, Mary is our, our example of the genius of women, um, put herself in God's service and the service of others. And he calls this a service of love, right? Mary putting herself in the service of love. And for her, to reign, right, as the queen of heaven, as the mother of God, for her to reign is to serve, and her service is to reign. This is the way in which authority needs to be understood, both in the family and the, in society and the church. 
So he takes Mary not only as an example in her life, but also in the greater picture of her um, reigning as queen of heaven and also coupled with her service here on earth. And he equates the two and he says they're one in the same. And that's the way that we have to see the world and authority because if we don't see it with that service, it becomes self-serving and it becomes skewed, right? Um, and he, he says, in this perspective of service, right, which when is carried out with freedom, reciprocity, and love expresses the true royal nature of mankind. One can also appreciate that the presence of a certain diversity of roles is in no way prejudicial to women, provided that this diversity is not the result of an arbitrary imposition, but is rather an expression of what is specific to being male and female. Here he's speaking specifically in regards to roles in the church. So he's saying thus women's role in the church is not going to be the same as all men, right? Um, Which doesn't detract from their dignity at all right? Rather, it tells of the plan of God, which he created in his own freedom, um, and the sacramental economy, right? There's, there's a lot of (laughs) behind what the sacramental economy is, but essentially it is that the plan of God, and he set that forward. Um, and there's so much to be learned in the gospel that will make clear this point even further, but the main takeaway that John Paul II is saying here is that it in no way hinders women from making a big impact on the church and the world just because their roles are different, right? And he mentions St. Catherine of Siena and St. Teresa of Avila, who are doctors of the church, and he mentions them because they were instrumental in the life of the church, both as an institution and in the lives of individual members, during their lifetime. So he says this is as an example of saying like, listen, our roles may not look the same as men and women in the church, but it doesn't mean that your impact is any less. Right. Um, And with all of this, I mean, there's just a lot that he's all said here um, in the letter, in this section, but in in the whole letter as a whole. Um, And he concludes the letter again by stating his hopes for the upcoming conference uh, on women. And um, again, I always like to leave you with a quote. So I want to leave this quote with you for your further rumination on it. And he says, Necessary emphasis should be placed on the genius of women, not only by considering great and famous women of the past or present, but also those ordinary women who reveal the gift of their womanhood by placing themselves at the service of others in their everyday lives. For in giving themselves to others each day, women fulfill their deepest vocation. Perhaps more than men, women acknowledge the person because they see persons with their hearts. They see them independently of various ideological or political systems, They see others in their greatness and limitations. They try to go out to them and help them. In this way, the basic plan of the creator takes flesh in the history of humanity and there is constantly revealed in the variety of vocations 
that beauty, not merely physical, but above all spiritual, which God bestowed from the very beginning on all, and in particular way on women. Parts of that quote are often quoted, right? You hear all the time, um, women acknowledge the person because you see them with their hearts, things like that. Um, but I love to see that whole quote in its entirety because it goes deeper um, than just a mere portion of it. It goes deeper into the the longing and the genius of women and our vocation um, as a big, big vocation, right? As being women. Um, and so with that, I will leave you. Um, if you liked this episode and if you liked this kind of um, study, right, like I said, either on a book or um, a writing or even a quote, right, that you know, is, is popular or we just want to dive more into it, let me know if you want more of these. Um, and especially if you have an idea of what you'd like to hear uh, specifically about, say a book that you'd like a book study on or something like that. Um, just let me know and send in your um, requests for what books or um, writings to do next. But I'm excited. I love these types of episodes and I hope you found them as fruitful as I did. Until next time. Thanks for tuning into the Dear Beloved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or many on social media and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to follow along at the Beloved Collective on Instagram and YouTube. That's Beloved spelled B-L-V-E-D.